I was encouraged to wear a coat this morning to change things up a bit, but I've not had a coat up here since I came in April until I went home for a week just before Christmas. And I've noticed that the coat is much bigger in hot weather and it has shrunk. <laughs> so I'm going to take it off. <laughs> it, I blame it on the cold weather. Did you keep the pin? Okay, I just wondered if you had something to write with on the rest of the trip. You're an author, you know. <laughs> okay. The reason I'm down here is because of the subject. I don't think that the pastor of a church, when talking about how we meet together and we enjoy our fellowship together needs to separate himself up there for this particular conversation. So I'm, I'm down here for a reason. Um, I don't know, I might get to like it down here. We read from the uh, book of Hebrews, the 10th chapter. The book of Hebrews is uh, very clear that it's everything that the Old Testament taught and provided in terms of way of um, the sacrifices of the rituals, the uh, festivals that were all intended to somehow draw us near to God uh, and somehow um, extend our love towards God and through that maybe our love towards each other. But the writer of Hebrews does a very good job of saying that was then and it really didn't work very well and God sent his son as a much better way. And that's pretty much the theme of the book of Hebrews. Uh, it highlights people in the Old Testament that, that did um, get that concept. Uh, but as we come into the uh, 10th chapter, um, the writer is, is talking specifically that Jesus was the, the sacrifice that once and for all would provide for our sins and our transgressions. What they did once a year, once a season in terms of sacrificing, they had to do every year, every year, and every year. Once we come to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that sacrifice has been taken care of on the cross. And we have the opportunity to come near to God. In fact, the writer of Hebrews in this uh, 10th chapter um, specifically talks about how that sacrifice works for us and how we are part of that in terms of being together as a church. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit testifies to us about this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, therefore, it's kind of like the therefore, and all that has gone and all that Jesus Christ has done, 
The writer of Romans says, therefore, in the opening of chapter 12, present yourselves as a living sacrifice to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he takes in this chapter 10, in verse 14, or excuse me, after he, later on in verse 21 and following, therefore, he challenges the readers to draw near to God, to hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, profess, because he who has promised is faithful. And then let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Therefore, that therefore is based on the fact that Jesus was the ultimate living sacrifice for each and every one of us. And the place in the temple that was the most holy where the average person could not go into and the high priest only went into once a year, when Christ was crucified, that veil, that curtain was split in two, signifying that we now have an open door to Jesus Christ, or to God the Heavenly Father through what Jesus has done on the cross. Therefore, let us draw near to God. Why? We have a clean heart. We're full of assurance that the faith brings, that what Jesus did was accomplished. We hold to the hope that we profess with endurance. But it's this last directive that I want us to focus on because we've been talking about the church, the life of the church, the foundation of the church that was built on the foundation of uh, the confession that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and that God is building this church and that nothing can stand against it. Nothing will prevail against it. And so as we come to the next chapter, so to speak, in uh, terms of talking about the church, we talk about our associations together and what that really means. Our associations in life often make a big difference in, in what we do. It makes a difference in our outlook on life. Uh, the people that I uh, hang around with will, will have some bearing on that. Uh, sometimes our endeavors that we want to accomplish, our goals, our actions, um, and this action specifically in verse 23, holding on to the hope we profess. It's the association with each other that provides the endurance to hold on to that hope that we have. So, a topic that a lot of pastors don't want to speak on, a lot of parishioners don't want to listen to, is the idea of church membership and what does that mean? Is there a biblical basis for it? We're gearing up for our annual meeting where membership becomes very important as we uh, vote on certain things that will take, move us forward in the life of the church. But we can all be members of many things. Uh, I would like you to do an exercise with me. If you have your wallets or your purse or whatever you keep uh, important things, Karen tends to, doesn't carry a wallet, and that's her uh, retired ID card to get her onto the base, and it's her credit card that allows her to draw, withdraw funds from my account. 
Uh, oh, okay. So I want you to take out your wallets. I want you to pull out all the cards that you have a membership in. I noticed when I was at home, we were doing some cleaning up, and um, I had this box about like this, and it must have had over 50 cards in it uh, to things that I had been a member of once upon a time. So I'm, I'm pulling out mine right now. Here, I'm a member of uh, the Reed Park Zoo in Tucson. That's very valuable right now. It was more valuable because it's a senior membership that allows two grandkids to go with me and two grandkids to go with Karen. That's all we have, and that was perfect. Uh, so I have that membership. Here's one we all need if we're going to go to Anchorage, right? Costco membership? How many have a Costco membership? Okay, great, great. Doesn't do us any good down here. When I did get up to Anchorage this last summer, I was doing, running some errands uh, for the, the, the mission, and I got in there with Josh and Kelly Bell. I forgot my membership card. All the way up there by ferry, drove all that way, and didn't have my membership card. I had to get a duplicate. Now I have two cards. Let's see how many cards you have and what types of memberships. Well, maybe you might not want to share what types of memberships you have. But what do you, cards, how many cards does, do we have? Craig? Uh, six. Six. Somebody else? 25. 25. <laughs> wow. You sound like a politician. <laughs> Eight. Okay. Somebody else? Josh Bell, how many, how many membership cards you got back there? Three? You're not well connected at all. Don't need, right, right. Carrie, what's most important, right? I got my Safeway Club card. Very valuable. At home, I got club cards to half dozen grocery stores because they compete. I only need one up here. Um, and believe me, if you go in without it and you're buying a donut or something else that is club price only, you better remember your mother-in-law's phone number because undoubtedly she's got a membership and you can pull up that phone number. <laughs> My daughter had a, uh, a membership. <clears throat> we went on a cruise one time with the kids and their grandparents. And so we gave both of our kids a uh, uh, unlimited soda card. And that was her first membership card ever. And she was so proud of that. She would sit down and go, bring me a soda, bring me a Coke. One day, we, we were on that cruise, we were sitting together, and I was going to order something. And she says, no, Dad, I got this. She goes, click, click. I says, you know that I can't have a soda on your card. Don't worry about it, Dad, I got it covered. Brings her a Coke. She says, Dad, can you help me drink this? <laughs> Membership. Uh, membership cards? You travel too much. Well, Duncan, you're the, uh, you're the winner, so we have a prize for you. You are the charter member of the Potluck of the Month Club. You get to go first in line today, and that's a benefit of membership.
Now, it also carries a responsibility. Membership requires that you stay and do the dishes. Okay? And, oh, by the way, nobody else can be the charter member, and so membership is now closed. <laughs> like I said, there's two things that, that pastors often ignore um, and don't want to talk about or churches don't want to hear about, and that's stewardship and membership. We live in a commitment-phobic society where we just don't want to commit to any to much of anything because we're waiting for something better to come along. There's nothing better coming along than being a member of the body of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we gather locally and commit and covenant with others to carry out the ministry of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we want to get the most for the least. I'm that way. If, if I can save a dime by spending $20, I will. Churches are often very ambiguous about their membership and what is really involved, and what, why it's important, and why, what it means to carrying out the mission of the gospel. We decided, I decided, I guess, or the Lord led me to do this membership because he's got to stay for that potluck that Duncan's going to clean up afterwards. But we have four direct, or excuse me, three directives in this passage of Scripture. One, based on what Jesus has done for us, we are to draw near to God. All the sacrifices of the Old Testament, that's what that was intended to be about, drawing near to God. But we are here together to help one another draw near to God. We gather with endurance that's fostered by the association with each other to hang on to that hope that we profess. But spurring and then spurring on each other. We gather together to encourage one another through prayer, worship, discipleship, fellowship. The church is, is not a religious club. I can remember in high school I was active in our youth group in, at, the, uh, at the church, but I was in a rather large high school. Um, the size of the high school would be at least a, half the population of Kodiak, and there was a religious club on campus. I think it was either called Campus Life or Youth for Christ or one of those. But it seemed to be for the elite. If you weren't a football player or cheerleader um, or within the in-group, uh, you weren't really welcome uh, to attend that. This may not be that way now in those clubs, but it was then, and I wasn't part of that crowd, so I was never invited uh, to that. It's not a religious club. Now, praise God, our young life here is about the Lord Jesus Christ and they're bringing kids to know the Lord. It's not a building. It's not just another nonprofit which I hold a membership card in for some to serve my own purposes. The church is the body of Christ formed by those who have been saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, and it's a collection of people who are committed to Christ alone. 
Is there biblical evidence for church membership? I think there is some. It's hard to hone down one passage of Scripture that says this is what the church is and how you become a member. But I think overall that membership is addressed in, uh, in the Bible. There seems to be, uh, in the early church in Acts, particularly chapter 2, when 3,000 people were added to the church, there seemed to be some kind of acknowledgement and endorsement of those who were receiving Jesus Christ. And they welcomed them into their fold. The early church had coveted with one another uh, in love to be accountable to each other and to work together. And they worked together for the purpose of the gospel. If you look at Ephesians chapter 4 where we have the, the body of the, uh, the church is the body of Christ, with Christ being the head and with the various responsibilities that each of us have because of the gifts that God has given to us, we realize that there is some organizational structure uh, taking place. Picture mentioned in the, uh, the New Testament, and I think that the uh, church over the years has argued about which one is best, whether we're going to have an overseer like the Catholic Church, a, a pope or a bishop or um, a, a large church where a single pastor is the, um, the head person in the church. Some people believe that's the right way. Some people that ha believe that having a uh, group of elders lead uh, the process is that way. That would be the Presbyterian type uh, where they have a group of elders sitting up here and then the various churches. And then we have in a congregational type setting where we are all on the same plane. But we are called in that type of organizational structure to conduct our business orderly. And so we elect officers and, and call a pastor, um, which is what we're, the process that we're in now is, is seeking the next step of our journey in faith together as, as we seek through our annual meeting to make some changes that we need to make and as we continue to heal. Uh, I just want to mention, if you think and believe that healing is important, then come our Sunday school class where we've been talking about forgiveness recently. A uh, very important aspect to our healing. That's a sidebar, but it's probably the most important thing we have in faith. Um, but if you look at 1st and 2nd Corinthians, we find out that the, uh, there was a fair amount of accountability in the church because they had to discipline somebody. I'm not saying, hey, let's all get together so we can bring somebody forward and discipline them. I can remember my math. No, it's not what we're about, although there is accountability. But the passage in Hebrew says, consider how we might spur on one another. These are all forms and structures. And they serve a purpose to spur us on to love Jesus Christ, to come near to God, and to cause each of us to grow and encourage each other in the faith. But sometimes we worship the structure and the mode, and we let those guide us 
into what our vision and our purpose and our ministry is rather than grabbing a hold of our purpose and our vision and ministry and then saying, what kind of structure do we need to accomplish that? And I think that's some of what the, a lot of what the constitutional revision was about as we, we set out to do that uh, at the close of uh, 1918, and, or excuse me, 2018, and as we vote on it here in 2019. But I want to draw you some things that are very important in our church constitution, particularly some of the things that we are revising in terms of membership. We're not completely there yet, but I think we need to start out in thinking about what membership means to this community. And I know that this is not waxing eloquent from a passage of Scripture, but it is talking about something very important and dear to the life of this community of believers. The purpose of our church has not changed. As we propose a revision to the Constitution, I want to read to you what the purpose of this church, Community Baptist Church, is from our Constitution, which shall be the advancement of the reign of the Spirit of Christ in human life through worship, evangelism, fellowship, Christian education, mission, and church operations. Those are the things that we've been talking about in the structure of God's church, the body of Jesus Christ. We come together to worship, to pray, the fellowship, to take care of one another's needs. And that's the purpose of this church. Along with our purpose, we have a statement of faith. And if it weren't for this statement of faith, some of us wouldn't be here. Because this is more about who we are. We are a people for whom worship is a priority. That's why we're gathered right now, every Sunday. That may not be our only worship experience as a church body. It might not be your only worship experience as an individual, but we gather here every Sunday morning because worship for us is a priority. We believe our main purpose is to glorify God. We believe Jesus Christ calls us to mission, discipleship, and services. This is being tweaked, and we will... Uh, this, is, this is the tweak. Excuse me that we're proposing. We believe, and this is no change from the prior identity in our Constitution to what it's going to read once we vote on it. We believe the Bible is the Word of God. It is our authority for faith and conduct is the Scriptures. Salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ, the only Son of God who died on the cross for our sins. The Holy Spirit is given to believers to guide and empower us to live in the presence of Christ in the world today. Each believer is given spiritual gifts and abilities by the Holy Spirit for ministry. Ephesians 4. A couple other passages that go with that. We are sinners saved by God's grace, and we invite others to experience God's grace God's grace and forgiveness. Let me say that again, because that's what unites us in the body of Jesus Christ. We are sinners saved by God's grace, and we invite others to experience God's grace and forgiveness. And we also believe that Jesus Christ will return one day. If we're going to be a people that works together and serves together and has been called together for a specific purpose on this island that 
is a, what Community Baptist Church is about. We need to know and understand what we are covenanting ourselves together to do. We strive as a church covenant. And again, this is no change from the old to the new. We strive to use our spiritual gifts and abilities in the ministry of the church. We strive to be accountable to each other in attendance, giving, and prayer. We strive to hold the Bible as our authority for faith and conduct. We strive to follow Christ in our daily lives. We strive to share our joys and concerns with each other. We strive to love one another by helping each other with our common needs. And we strive to reach out to others with the love of Jesus Christ. You know what? This should not be something that runs us out of town, runs the pastor out of town. This should be something and has the opportunity to be something that calls us all together to, to get excited the body of Jesus Christ. And particularly, I'm part of the Community Baptist Church that says we strive to reach out to others with the love of Christ, to love one another, to share our joys and concerns. Then we go to what membership is. I'm not going to read all of this because it's, it can get lengthy. We start with this verse. When it comes to membership, we start with this verse. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We have used this passage from Hebrews chapter 10, and specifically this verse, 24 and 25, as to why we come together and why we covenant together. Our first identity of being together is a church congregation, and we spell that out. Anyone who is here, who is part of the body of Jesus Christ because they received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, is a member of this congregation. And we're going to spell that out what that means. A congregation are those who have come together to worship and be together, particularly on a Sunday morning. Anybody walks into this church on a Sunday morning with a need, that person is part of our congregation. Anybody who shows up desiring to participate in the worship that we don't know, their congregation were here about Jesus Christ, not about Community Baptist Church. But as we covenant together to carry out the things that this specific church is called to do, we're in the middle of setting our vision and setting our specific mission, how we identify ourselves specifically. There is a membership. It's not my Costco card. It's not my gift card down there at McDonald's. It's an invitation to covenant together as an active member of this church. What that means by profession of faith in Jesus Christ, He's your personal Savior, been baptized by believer's baptism, we invite you, if you're not already, 
to become a regular active member of this church to help us carry out the mission that Jesus Christ has for Community Baptist Church. Many of you are already members. Many of you have been attending for a long time and you're our congregation, but we invite you to become part of us so that we can carry out the vision and the mission together, so that we can reach out to each other's needs, so that we can love each other and spur one another on to love and good things so that we can reach out to this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In a community like this, though, that where a good portion of the community is transient for one reason or another, our Coast Guard folks who come, stay for a couple of years, and have to leave to go somewhere else, we don't expect you to member for a long term but we do invite you to become part of us by being associated with us. Churches often will send your membership to another church saying this person has been a member in good standing here. Uh, it's good to see them joining another church somewhere else. Um, we know, and it has been my experience uh, serving in the military for years, that the chapel wasn't someplace that I necessarily needed to have membership in. I was already a member. I was a member of the Army, so therefore I was a member of the Army Chapel. And, but that's not what we're talking about. But we do know that people are in a transient situation. They may come up here for a time to serve because they've been called to the mission. Or they may be called to something else. They may be here for a year of school or a research project going on either through NOAA or one of the federal agencies here in town. And so we invite you to associate with us as an associate member. There's not a lot of difference between the two. We expect those who are active, permanent members of this church to take an active role and we open up those who are part of that active membership to take on uh, roles of being officers of the church. Associate members, we invite you to vote on everything, to participate on any of our committees, be active in ministry, and use the gifts that God has given you. I'm sure that this will be spelled out more directly in the annual meeting, probably best by Duncan, who helped write some of this. Um, but we have, it's not levels. It's three arenas or three ways to come together to serve. You're here on Sunday morning worship with us. You're part of our congregation. You automatically are part of our congregation because you know Jesus Christ is our personal Savior. Active membership for those who live in Kodiak long-term who are are here at this church, we invite you to join with us for the long-term to carry out the mission that Jesus Christ has for this church. If you're here for a while, we invite you to become part of us for the time that you're here. 
and to use the gifts that God has given you. And that's really the invitation. The invitation is, is how might you consider to, how to stir up one another in love and good works. Being associated with this community in one way or another is a way to do that. And that's one of the main reasons we exist. And I invite the worship team to come forward as we close this service. Um, we worship together. We